Pampers Cruisers 360 is the must-have diaper to help keep your baby from taking it right off, which, if you've experienced this, can lead to complete chaos. With its 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your baby for a comfortable fit, your active baby can move freely. Think of it as baby yoga pants. Cruisers 360 offers a gap-free fit and has a blowout barrier at the back of the diaper to help stop any unwanted disasters. The best part? That stretchy waistband makes it so easy to change your wiggly baby, who is always on the move and can't be stopped. Just rip the sides to remove and roll it up with the disposal tape on the back. Voila! Pampers Cruisers are available in sizes 3 to 7 and now feature fun new prints. Pair with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, made from 100% plant-based cloth that grips the mess without fear of tearing. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. This podcast is brought to you by the film Ezra from Bleecker Street, directed by Tony Goldwyn with an incredible ensemble that includes Robert De Niro, Bobby Cannavale, and Whoopi Goldberg. Ezra is a funny and endearing story about Max, a divorced father struggling to co-parent his autistic son, Ezra. When faced with difficult decisions about the future, they embark on a cross-country road trip that has a transcendent impact on both their lives. Deadline calls Ezra a touching testament to the power of love. In theaters May 31st. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Hi, this is Laura Vanderkam. I'm a mother of four, an author, journalist, and speaker. And this is Sarah Hart Unger. I'm a mother of two and soon to be three and a practicing physician. We are two working parents who love our careers and our families. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. Here we talk about how real women manage work, family, and time for fun. From figuring out childcare to mapping out long-term career goals, we want you to get the most out of life. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. This is Laura. We're on episode 10, which is Working Moms Can Do Happy Hours, Networking for the Professional Woman, favorite topic of both of ours. Uh, I like my happy hours. Sarah would like her happy hours if she weren't currently pregnant, but that always makes happy hours a bit less happy. <laughs> it does. It's a drag. <laughs> it's a drag. Another thing that can be a drag is rainy weekends, which we had an unfortunate number of recently. Sarah especially um, had a couple of rainy weekends at the end of I mean, Miami's like this, right? There you get a, a rainy season. We're very seasonal. God, we have the most beautiful like December and January, but right now we're in this sort of, there are some nice days, but then a lot of days where it's just tropics. <laughs> the tropics are here. Yeah. And so what do you do when it's rainy on the weekends and you've got two kids cooped up in the house? And Yeah. So lately, our big thing has been in the morning, letting the kids talk about a schedule. And when I say the kids, it's really mostly my five-year-old. The three-year-old will like interject his own commentary, but mostly <laughs> it's my older one. And she's even been drawing out like a little comic book representation since 
her word vocabulary is very limited at this point. Yeah. So uh, last weekend it, it was terrible out and she drew like a little picture of them playing with magnetiles and then a little picture of going to the museum and then a little picture of her play date. And it was really, really cute. So we've been doing that. Um, cooking and baking projects are a really big hit for our kids on rainy days. So I usually try to have sort of the basic stuff to, you know, cause all you really need is like flour and some chocolate chips and eggs and sugar, and you can make a lot of variations of stuff. We also tend to, I try, I'm not, we've actually gone through the stash now, but when they, when they have the birthday parties and they get 8 million different things, I kind of hide like a little subset of them. And then I call them rainy day toys so that if it's rude, we're getting really desperate. I'll say, okay, let's break into our rainy day toys. And then we can find like a science kit or some craft set or something they forgot they had. But yeah. unfortunately the birthdays were like April and February. So now <laughs> so you're at the end of the <laughs> we're, we're running low. Exactly. Yeah. What about you guys? You have even more kids to entertain. <laughs> yeah, no, I we, we have to get out of the house. I mean, the kids would love to just sit in the house and watch videos all day, but they can't just do this quietly. Like they start hitting each other and it's really, I mean, it's like, we've got to get out of this house. Like even just, you know, for one activity or something like that, we are members of like every museum in Philadelphia. And partly it's just about you know, trying to be supportive of local institutions, but it tends to be a pretty good deal too. And it also reduces the like perceived cost of any visit. Like, oh, but we have a membership there so we can just go. I mean, so we have a great kids museum called the Please Touch Museum, which is probably less great for the 10 year old at this point, but it, uh, he can still go. He still doesn't mind playing like with his siblings and, you know, making a pretend restaurant meal and grocery shopping in this cute little pretend grocery store they have. And so we do that. We've got you know, the Franklin Institute. We've been to a lot. Is oh our my son. gosh. I have so many fond memories of that place as a kid. Yeah. So you grew <laughs> up around awesome. here. Yeah. No, yeah. that, that, uh, giant heart is still here. I mean, how many yeah. times did you walk through the giant heart? Many. I think I slept in the heart once. Slept like, in the heart sleep, once. Girl Scout sleepover for real. <laughs> awesome. There is probably no person in the Philadelphia area who has not walked through that heart at some point through some uh, whatever it is they have because they have various like community days too but uh, yeah you've gone through there a number of times as a kid um, so there's that there's like a dinosaur museum here American Museum of Natural History whatever it's called not the American that's in New York but um, although we're members of the one in New York too my husband took the big kids to New York last week and I think they may have gone there you know but there's the thing about these museums is it just if you ask for a membership for like a kid's birthday or something from a grandparent, because grandparents will be like, oh, what does your kid want for their birthday? And I, I'm assuming if listeners are somewhat like us, the toy front is not, um, let, let's just say that the existence of toys is already far beyond what they will ever be able to play with in their lives. I mean, there's just too many toys already. Uh, and, and so we're trying to get a few more experiential type gifts. That's a great idea. So, museum yeah. membership. Yeah. So ask for museum membership or a zoo membership. I mean, that zoo doesn't help with the, the rainy day right. so much. I mean, <laughs> you have to just do the indoor exhibits, but that can be a, a great way to have that work. And yeah, obviously play dates. If your kids are old enough, the play dates are a good way for the kids to entertain each other. And then you don't have to entertain them. It's amazing how you add one more kid and, and everything changes. Like I, I, that's what partly what I love play dates. I don't even care if it's, it's Cameron's friend, my three-year-old's friend or my five-year-old's friend. Somehow kids were like lying around wanting about being bored all of a sudden find all kinds of things to do 
when you add yeah. one more. Well, it's the same thing as like, you know, adding another couple of you and your spouse go out for dinner. It's like all of a sudden you, I mean, you've told each other your stories a million times already, but don't like <laughs> new people to tell your stories to, and they don't know to be bored yet. <laughs> so it, it, it's, it's very exciting from that perspective. Uh, so, so yeah, that's what we've been doing. So coming to our main segment here, we're talking today about networking and, and what this was somewhat inspired by is we, we hear from a lot of working mothers that they can't do happy hour, right? Like, so, you know, the people at their office go out for drinks or whatever, and there's this whole soft side of work that involves like nurturing relationships with other people. And the assumption is like, well, once you're a parent, you can't do that. You don't have time for that. And in fact, I have had people tell me that they consider themselves incredibly good at time management because they just barricade themselves in their offices the entire day, don't talk to any of their colleagues, and just get the work done. I'm like, hmm, interesting that. Um, Because, like, A, if you ever want to get into management, like, it's not just about getting your work done. It's about having other people like you and trust you so they want to do their best work for you. And the only way that happens is if people get to know you often over this sort of relaxed situation. And even if you only want to be in an individual contributor role for the rest of your life, like other people have information that's helpful. I mean, you know, they, they know that that assignment from the other department is never really going to happen because they can see the writing on the wall. This happened last year and they want to warn you off it. Or, you know, they, they just, this is how the information in companies is passed is through these informal channels and cutting yourself off from it is just an incredibly short sighted thing. So I agree. And I, I think that even in a field, I mean, people might think, well, medicine, you're just like seeing your patients, you're just cranking out widgets, doing your job that it's still incredibly important because Number one, you learn things from other people all the time. Number two, just what Laura said, if you have any aspirations toward any sort of leadership or even just any sort of specialized, like maybe you want to run a certain clinic, you have to kind of get to know the right people. And that has to unfold a little bit organically. Organically, you can't just cloister yourself away and not build connections with people and then expect them to kind of want to do things for you. So I think this is important even for our scientists, our engineers and people who feel like, well, I'm just like like this very straightforward knowledge worker. I don't think you can discount this sort of softer side. Yeah, not at all. I mean, I would say even with with, with scientists and researchers, it, it comes into play in sort of obvious ways. Like who are you doing your research papers with, right? Who are your co-authors? Yes, that's true. I'd say in the science world, they, they are actually expert, like that. They Most people know that sort of part of the deal, right? That you're having these weekly meetings and journal clubs and collaborations. And it's a very, the most successful institutions are very collegial institutions. And they usually brag about that too. So you're right. The scientists actually kind of got it going on there. Yeah. So, so how do you, I mean, you do lunch sometimes with colleagues, right? That's one way to. Oh yeah. I do lunch with colleagues almost every day and that's, you know, that's part colleagues and staff. So I want to work with, I want to have lunch with people who are above me and people who are, you know, on my career level. And then, you know, people who to some extent um, I supervise. And I think that all of those have, have their own value. Plus you kind of got to eat anyway. So um, it's a great way to kind of know what's going on in, in all sorts of, of realms. And I really do think that all three levels are very important. Yeah. So trying not to eat alone every day is a, is a key one. I mean, obviously if you, 
are the sort of person who has to interact with people all day and you're pretty introverted, maybe your lunch break is when you do sort of recharge. Um, but, but then you're interacting with people all day. That's sort of a different matter. But, you know, also just not, um, not having your default answer always be no, because then people stop asking. So like, you don't have to go to happy hour every night. Like if you're in an office where most people are young or whatever, and they go out with each other frequently, I, I, I bet people don't go every night, by the way, like nobody goes every night. <laughs> that would just be ridiculous. Like no one wants to hang out with their colleagues that much, but, but if you sometimes go, then, then people get to know you and then they still ask. But if they know, like, oh, she's the you know one who's racing out every single day, like, then then they don't ask because what's the point? And you know, I know people have like daycare pickups and whatever, but it, it's good to just sort of arrange a backup to that, maybe once or twice a week, so you do have options, um, either to work a little later or to go to the gym or meet a friend or whatever. But then also maybe to do some some professional networking as well, really um, working on those. Uh, relationships because you know one or two nights a week like there's seven nights in a week and so if you're out with your colleagues one night a week and there's six other nights like <laughs> don't don't just look at that one night and be like I'm not seeing my kids you know, you're seeing your kids every other night like let's just you know it's okay to have a sort of different split with that I agree. It does not have to be an all or nothing kind of a thing. And if you do, you know, the nice thing is if you do make a point to, to say yes, sometimes I think people, you know, when they know that you do have kids, they really kind of respond nicely to that. Uh, my, my, my team, we don't do things all that often, but when they do, I try to go because it isn't that often. And I feel like I get almost like extra credit because they know I have a babysitter and it's not only just sort of important for building those relationships, but usually it's, it's actually an enjoyable little diversion too. So don't underestimate that it, it can be fun. <laughs> yeah. And then we also have to meet people who don't immediately work with us too. I mean, because you know, a, I mean, nobody's job is permanent these days anyway. Um, so we never know when we'll be looking elsewhere um, or might want to look elsewhere. So yeah, we want to meet people who aren't working with us immediately too. And and so one of the ways you do that, I mean, you go to conferences, right? That's, that's something you do. Yes. I love conferences. I'm actually, I, I think I mentioned in our hurricane podcast that I wanted to make it to a conference that was, because it's our big pediatric endocrinology conference. And I had been looking forward to it all year. And actually the sad punchline is that I did not end up going to said conference because we got back at three in the morning and my flight was canceled by the airlines the next day because of all the evacuees coming back. So I missed it. But I, I mean, that makes me just want to go more like conferences. Number one, that's when for me, I get to do a lot of the outside networking because it is a little hard to physically connect with other physicians when I'm, you know, physically with them all day, you know, from outside institutions. Um, but number two, I, I find that I, I really just get to focus on work and re you know, looking at the most recent research and thinking of like ideas for my own research and all kinds of things, just because I'm not dealing with all of the, the home and sort of life activities that I normally have. So I see them as very therapeutic, a lot of fun. And I know some people like to bring their families to conferences and that may be something we consider in the future, but currently I really relish them as a time to dive in and, and use partly as me time and partly as just like work immersion time. And that's 
for me that that's not like work alone in my in my hotel room or something i'm like we're like working with others learning from others etc so i am very pro conference and i'm very pro doing it on your own if that's what works for you yeah i love conferences although i i mean I speak at a lot of conferences. That's kind of like my job. So I'm like a professional conference attender. It's, a, it's kind of fun. I get to see different industries do different things or are funded at different levels. I've learned some uh, fields are a lot better than others <laughs> Not in terms of how fancy their conferences are. But yeah, no, it's, um, it's just a very convenient way to meet a lot of people. And they're all there, like all the people that you have seen their names over the year and various things you, you get to meet in person or the fun thing for me is, is speaking at a lot of different places as I get to meet people in different fields. And, and that's kind of fun for me too. But yeah, I think, you know, bringing your family is, is only going to work if you definitely know your spouse is going to be able to take like a hundred percent and is not going to care if you go to a happy hour or something like that. Cause that's the whole point, right? <laughs> you want to have these, these interactions with it. So the thing with me, though, I mean, so when I'm not traveling, I work out of my home office. So there's not a whole lot of, like, networking opportunities there in my home office. But, but especially if you just think about networking as you're trying to build up relationships with people who want to see you succeed and who you want to see succeed as well, then, then it opens up all sorts of possibilities. I mean, you know, your friends are in a way your network, um, you know, people, you know, from your past or your network, your, your spouse's colleagues are your network. And, and you can also build this up over time through just like electronic means. There's a book that's out, I think this month or next, it's by Molly Beck. That's called reach out. And it's a really simple concept. She started just reaching out to one person daily, like five times a week, sending them an email, basically either you know, thanking a person for something or introducing her, herself because somebody else said she should get in touch with them or that she met somebody somewhere and she was following up to say hello or, you know, as random ones too. I mean, so she reached out to me one day in 2013 to thank me for retweeting a link she had posted or something like that. But she's just been so disciplined about doing this, sending one a day for years that she has this huge network. Obviously not everyone responds, but even if like 25% of the people respond and of those maybe half become people you keep in touch with more frequently, like doing it every day means you're adding, you know, two dozen solid connections to your network every year. And that's, that's pretty good. I mean, I think it's just like anything else that can be a discipline. I love incremental progress. Incremental Because <laughs> we always underestimate what can happen over time with a small step every day. So I think that's really cool. Yeah. And it's also helpful for people who maybe aren't as into the, the cocktail party thing or, you know, or more introverted um, because you're still building your network. You're still doing solid stuff to advance your network. And yeah, you still do need to meet people in person, but this can be a great um, supplement to it as well. I mean, you're, you're kind of an extroverted person. I mean, you, you like the events. I do like the events. And I, although I say, I would say like in the field that I'm in a daily kind of a thing, I don't know that that would I, I can't picture doing that. And you're right. I kind of rather do in-person things. So for me, I just try to like talk or meet. It could be on the phone. It could be in person with somebody every week. That's just not my immediate colleagues about something interesting. And if that is sending an email, fine. If it's a phone call during my commute, I love those. That works as well. And, uh, you know, I've actually met a lot of people who I wouldn't have expected to, to have like sort of career implications, um, through the blog <laughs> and, um, through social media as well now. 
Yeah, no, that's a that's a cool extra way to do it. I've certainly somebody I you know I used to talk about how horrible I was at networking or whatever, and somebody pointed out at one point that like. I've been writing articles for what, 15 years and probably one a week at least for 15 years. And that involves calling people up and talking to them about their lives and what they're interested in. And many of these people have then stayed in my life and, and stayed with me over the years. And then they do things with me now. I mean, some of these people become sources or they have their own like podcasts or media empires or whatever they want to, they want to mention me and their stuff. And so it, it was networking. It just didn't, seem like it to me because I had this image of like, well, you got to be at the cocktail party conference. So, you know, that's, that's the networking. Um, it wasn't just, you know, people that I met and found interesting and found me interesting and we continued to look out for each other, but it can be that too. I think that if you are sort of nervous about the in-person meetings, what were you saying? Like go early? <laughs> that, that, yeah, <laughs> I think I got this actually. I think this was from Gretchen Rubin, either her podcast or her one of her books. But I totally agree with this. And I've, I've tried to get my... It's, it's harder if you're trying to go with somebody else. So my husband's not not one of those early kind of people, although he is an introvert. And I have sort of pointed out, if you go to a party and you're there first, then it's actually a lot less intimidating compared to if you're walking into everyone having a grand old time and seeing like they know each other already. So I think for introverts, even though it might not be like they may want to put off going and kind of show up late and hide in a corner, they're better off going early because then they can sort of start having an intimate conversation with whoever shows up at the beginning and they already feel like they're part of the event as it unfolds around them rather than walking into this bustling situation, which could be intimidating. I think also lowering your expectations for any given event can be helpful (laughs) Um, because, you know, most of the time you're not going to meet like you know, the perfectly great person that you're going to have a wonderful, close professional relationship with forever. I mean, just like, you know, any given event, you wouldn't meet your spouse either. You know, it's, it's, it's all (laughs) just kind of, um, not going to happen like that. But if you even just go in with like, I would like to, at the end of the night, meet two people I'd like to follow up with, or I mean, heck, it could just be like, I want to get a couple of great book recommendations out of this. And that's something you can then talk about in a kind of relaxed way. I mean, because everyone could talk about a book recommendation or a restaurant recommendation or TV show recommendation or something. And it gives you something to talk about and you know you'll get something useful and then it's a lot less pressure than than trying to, you know, sell yourself or something. And interestingly, even if you feel like an event has been a fail, like, oh, you didn't learn some, you know, important tidbit, you never know because somebody may have sort of met you that you didn't even register that that later ends up turning out to be really fruitful for both of you. So you kind of can't judge the outcome of an event ever really because you just don't know how things are going to unfold yeah if you don't know you don't know and then these <laughs> things are cumulative too i mean they uh like you said it would just it, they add up over time and next thing you know you're like hey i have a network <laughs> and you got to try and keep in touch with people too i mean that's that's key because people will forget that you exist if you don't do that that's why i send annoying emails out uh, to my newsletter list to remind people that i exist <laughs> so so we're going to our love of the week now. Uh, what What is your love of the week, Sarah? Well, I'm I'm at this point in pregnancy where I'm like, this happens every time where I'm fantasizing about shopping for clothing when I'm not pregnant <laughs> because I'm so bored with what I'm wearing all the time. My love of the week right now is loungewear. And actually, this is a little bit of an aspirational love of the week because I don't feel like I have the perfect collection of loungewear. But one of my like greatest pleasures is coming home from work and then putting on something that's like not 
frumpy, but really comfortable and just sort of spending the rest of the night in that outfit. And so I'm just going to give a big shout out to Loungewear, which I feel like is having a moment right now. And maybe, maybe it's a forever moment. I don't know. And to say that after I don't have a giant bump to cover up, I am going to devote myself to making a really comfortable and nice set of loungewear outfits to hang out with at night because life is short. Life is short. You may as well be in comfy pajamas, right? Exactly. <laughs> um, so my love of the week is my, my fall fun list. So um, if we have listeners who've also looked at my blog at lauravandercam.com, I post a couple of what I call like these seasonal fun lists. I had a summer fun list. I, this year I did my fall fun list for the first time. I often do a holiday fun list around Christmas. Um, it's just the things I want to do during that particular season that will make me feel like I really experienced the season. Um, so with summer, for instance, we had a couple of you know beach trips I wanted to do with a certain restaurant I wanted to eat lobster at in Cape May and uh, you know just things like that that I knew I wanted to do that would make me feel like I had a good summer. Uh, and so I got through that list. That was great. Um, and so I decided to do a fall list because I think fall is a great season too, especially up here in the Northeast. We get a lot of the, we get the changing leaves, the crisp weather. It's I sort of like the spookiness of Halloween. So I've got a couple of things I'm trying to do. I'm actually taking the kids, once we get done recording this, I'm taking my big kids on a hike uh, up in the mountains around here to uh, see if we can get some of the fall color there. I think it'll be a bit more change there than it is here. It's starting to change here, but uh, we'll have more of that. So that's on the list. So I'm making sure to do that when they've got some days off from school. Um, we're going to you know go to a professional football game here. My uh, soon-to-be eight-year-old and I will be doing that together. I want to go on a hayride, so that's now on the calendar. So the did thing you is, do apple picking yet? I feel like everyone picking. does so apple picking. picking <laughs> curiously enough, I put it on my fall list, but it's actually more of a summer activity. I, the, it, oh, It turns knew? out that um, the apple harvest season is more August-September than it is like October. I mean, people think of it as a fall activity, but it's a really, really early fall activity. And so we would always be past peak for like the species, the varieties of apples that I like. And so this year I looked at it and I was like, oh, the galas and the, you know, honey crisps actually peak in late August. So we went in late August. So yes, it was on my fall fun list, but we did it in late August. So that's, that's fine. <laughs> um, so, but I love doing this. It makes me feel like I'm taking advantage of these seasons. It gives me ideas of things to do on weekends. If you know we're planning the weekends, like what should we do? Well, if I know that we want to do the hayride at some point, then that gets a, a privileged spot on a weekend as opposed to being like, I don't know, what do you want to do? Well, what do you want to do? And and so, um, I think just that list making in general. Um, helps helps with that. I agree. I love your list. I remember the like reading about your list of 100 dreams way back in the day and making one and I they, the lists are fun. They like add a little bit of a quest um aspect to life which I've never really been disappointed by. So, yeah. yes, for fall fun list. Fall I wish, fun wish we could list. fall here, but yes, well, know. okay. It, it kind of helps <laughs> to have an actual fall. It'd be like, yes, my rainy tropics season fun list just doesn't have really gross. Fun. I'm waiting for December. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so our listener question this week, one, one question we got a lot of after people would listen to our first few episodes and said, wow, it sounds like your kids do a lot of activities. Do you think that's the case? And how do you decide what's too much, decide what's too much or too little? Um, okay. So my first answer to that is yes, I think it's the case. <laughs> my kids do a lot of activities. I'm going to admit that right off the bat. I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but they're three and they're five and they're in like a lot of different things for 
us, it has to do with availability and convenience and their interest. And we happen to live in an area where it's really not like we're not having to trek miles to do this. Like it's not like we're bending over backwards. Many of them are offered at the school after school. So it's not even, they literally just stay an extra hour. Now I have found out that our public school kindergarten curriculum no longer includes art or music because they're too busy doing spelling words and math and whatever. So because it's really important to me that you know, they do get exposed to those things. And I am at work for a lot of the day. I'm really happy to put them in like after school art class and drama class, um, and other things so that, so that they, they get them. So the other thing aside from the convenience is that thus far, they seem to really enjoy them. Like when I say, Oh, it's gymnastics day. Like I'm not really getting pushback. And if I start to notice that they're getting more tired or that homework is becoming more of a burden, I mean, right now it's like, one, it, it takes like 10 minutes total because it's just kindergarten, <laughs> then maybe we'll change things. But right now it's like a fun way for them to spend their time. Um, and I am for open time too, but I think they're still able to get some of that um, with, a, you know, one to usually one activity each day, two on like one day a week. So I guess I I think it works for us. Yeah. <laughs> what about you guys? I, it's totally about what works for your family. I mean, the issue of having four kids is that there's going to be a lot of activities. I mean, even if each kid was only in one, like you'd have four, which would be if one kid had four activities, you might think that kid was overscheduled, but it's it's the same volume of stuff. It's just when you have more kids, it adds up quicker. You know, I try to only do stuff that the kids are interested in that we probably have a bias toward doing sports, you know, physical activities that are going to um, be helpful to them. I, I think that they, we have them swimming, the older two boys and uh, the 10-year-old and the 5-year-old are doing karate. They chose that. They wanted to do the karate, and so I support their interests. Um, we ask them about sort of, I want them to do music, but I'm willing to listen to their ideas on what instrument. And so... The um, 10-year-old had been taking piano, but then his school, uh, he learned viola. Uh, last year, they had group music lessons, and he learned the viola. He played in his little fourth-grade orchestra last year and enjoyed it. And he said, I would actually prefer to focus on the viola um, versus piano. And so I said, okay, well, that's fine. I would be willing to support that. It's, that's your choice. I mean, think if kids choose stuff, they are far more into it than if they are not. Um, so that was that was one thing that we took on. My my daughter loves to do gymnastics and dance, so I'm trying to support that and you know look for a place that was going to do real gymnastics. Uh, so we had to find a gym that would would do that. You know, I think it's not a bad thing to have activities. You do have to be smart about it in the sense of we try not to have each kid have more than one thing a day. There's only one day that we have. Um, you know, the, the seven-year-old and the five-year-old have swim and gymnastics, and then they both have a piano lesson a night, but the piano comes to them, the, le- the teacher comes to them, so I feel like it's not a huge deal. Uh, it's not like they have to go somewhere. And I also just sort of remember from, from school growing up, I liked activities too, and I thought it was often one of the more challenging things I did. And sometimes school itself is not 100% challenging. We're getting better with that, with... Um, you know, the 10-year-old is starting to be getting more challenging math and reading and things like that. But, you know... You don't always necessarily have as much challenge as you might like, but activities can be more oriented to your exact level, and that can be a really cool thing for them. That's so interesting because you know what? When I like look back to elementary school, I don't remember really anything like what we did in this class, but I remember like in second grade taking 
cross stitch <laughs> and Girl Scouts and do like playing field hockey. Like I remember my activities more than I remember my actual schooling. So that's actually very interesting. Because it's, it's in, in many it's cases, like a, it's a enriching. better way to learn. It's, it's that yeah. you have chosen to be interested in something. You're doing it because you want to, not because you have to. You are setting goals and meeting them. I mean, a lot of athletics are about that. Like I'm trying to be a little bit faster swimming or I'm trying to get my purple belt in karate, right? Like, so it's about setting goals and working toward them um, bit by bit and seeing that practice makes you better. And ideally, all of education would be like that too. But, you know, in, in any sort of group schooling situation, it's not 100% going to be like that. So I'm a fan of activities. Um, it's, it's always fun to complain about kids being overscheduled, but there's been some interesting research that um, even kids who do quite a bit of activities, it tends to be helpful instead of um, harmful. There's very few kids who are, in fact, overscheduled. And, in fact, the average kid could probably do more stuff. Um, I think there are whole communities where, in fact, things like art and music um, have been cut in the schools where kids might benefit from having more of that. Um, so I think the overschedule problem is, is more isolated than, than we might think it is. So we, we try to keep one open day to our, our activity schedule for the fall. We have Wednesday open, we have Sunday open. And, and so those are days that either if we miss something early in the week, it can fall or we can have those completely off. And so I think that's been helpful too. We also have Sunday completely off. I like the one day, just nothing. Nothing. <laughs> well, this has been Best of Both Worlds, episode 10. We were talking about networking for busy professional women and lots of other things too. So please tune in next week when we'll be back with more about how we make work and life fit together. Thanks for listening. You can find me, Sarah, at theshoebox.com or at the underscore shoebox on Instagram. And you can find me, Laura, at lauravandercam.com. This has been the Best of Both Worlds podcast. Please join us next time for more on making work and life work together. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. 
Right Rug Flooring.